Hi, everybody. It's Jean Nathan. It's Crosstown Conversations. And uh, we've got a packed um, and kind of important show for you today, uh, even though there's some fun elements as well. But we have Earth Month coming up. Uh, so I kind of was thinking about what have we got going on here that's addressing um, Earth and, and uh, climate change issues and the environment, the very unique and difficult yet beautiful environment that we live in here in the New Orleans region. So um, I um, have uh, lined up some heavyweights to talk with us as, as well as um, uh, some folks who are going to talk about the fun stuff too. So Kurt uh, Culbertson is um, a major national planner who is working on the um, strategic plan for park and parkways of the city of New Orleans, our green spaces, trying to really make sure that we're making the most of our landscape assets. So um, I went to a meeting of his uh, recently and I was really impressed with the work being done. So I invited him to come uh, talk with us. Uh, Kara Lambright is the um, newish, um, he's been there a while now, but she's still relatively new, um, head of City Park. And City Park is doing a strategic plan also. Um, so City Park, which is such an incredible national park treasure and uh, is a favorite for all of us in the city, is, is really um, doing some great new programming. And, and I think that they're on track to develop um, even more. So there's a lot of new cultural programming going on there. And um, they have, of course, the spring plant sale coming up too. And Chris Dunaway uh, with the Louisiana Agriculture Center is going to be on to um, give us a little bit of a heads up on that. And I don't miss those. I mean, I just don't miss them. They're April um, 2nd, 1st and 2nd. And um, so he'll be on. And, and then I'm going to uh, talk to you a little bit about the um, incredible show that we have on April 2nd, um, uh, Travas 2182 Sarah Lane. Uh, we'll be giving palms out since it's going to be Palm Sunday. And we're going to interpret palms in a, a slightly um, a broader context uh, and, and in terms of uh, the celebrating of spring and, and green things coming back. Um, we'll also be uh, showing the plain air paintings and, and this is kind of the close of that show. Some of it may still be up for a bit, but a lot of work is, has been sold and it's going to go home to be with its new owners. So we're going to have palms, paintings, and pastries on April 2nd at Corvasse 22 in St. Bernard. Only about 25 minutes from French Quarter, so um, plan on being with us. So let's get started. Kurt um, Culbertson is um, one of these uh, legendary experts in dealing with green space and parks and cities, and he's been doing it all over the country, maybe all over the world, that you'll have to tell me. Um, and uh, he is working for us in New Orleans to make sure that these beautiful parks that we have um, survive and grow and uh, get the kind of attention that they deserve and um, use by all of us that we would love to have. So Kurt, I'd love to open with just kind of a sense of how do you, what's kind of your, your basic rule or mission statement for how you plan green spaces in, in cities? 
Well, I, I think that um, I'm a landscape architect by uh, training. Um, so I really, we really begin from a landscape perspective. Um, and, and in Louisiana, which is one of the richest landscapes in the world, it's hard to imagine you'd start anyplace else. Um, and I think that, that our view is that the form of cities and, and regions should really evolve from a deep understanding of landscape and ecology. Um, and, and so I think we start from that perspective and start with an understanding of natural systems of floodplains and wetlands and, and vegetation and so forth, right? And then secondly, I think we take the perspective that uh, open space and parks and open space should shape the physical form of the city. So the, the urban form, the built environment should be responsive to the natural landscape. And so parks, historically, if you look at park planning in the late 19th century, early 20th century in the United States, before we had things like, like zoning and so forth, uh, parks were the primary uh, tool for shaping cities. So uh, they're, in, they're, instrumental, they're instrumental to the, to, uh, the physical planning of the city. Um, and I think, so, so we begin from landscape, we been, begin with landscape as a city shaping tool. And then I think many park plans uh, that you may find around the country are more traditional parks and recreation plans. They look at, you know, the ratio of parkland to population. They count the number of baseball fields and basketball courts and playgrounds you have and see if you have enough of those kind of facilities. Um, and so sometimes people just view parks as, you know, mowed, mowed grass and sports fields and playgrounds, right? <laughs> and so we like to take a more comprehensive view of what uh, these types of plans can be. They're, they are about parks, you know, about uh, developed park land. They are about recreation, you know, not just the physical facilities that you recreate on, the spaces you recreate on, but the programming, the soft programming, be it sports league or Tai Chi on the lawn or uh, arts class or environmental education. Uh, we're certainly looking at those kinds of things in New Orleans. Uh, it looks as open space. And increasingly in cities, uh, we've heard that in the first public meetings we've had in New Orleans, the importance of nature in the heart of the city. Um, access to nature is an important thing. And so some of the lands in the New Orleans parks and open space system may be wildlands. They may be wetlands. They may be um, you know, prairies, they may be swamps that are that are uh, the last remnants of natural lands in the city of New Orleans, right? And we look at uh, mobility, uh, trails, and trails can be bike paths, they can be complete streets, bike lanes on streets, they can be a transit access to parks, they can be blueways, the ability to paddle places like um, Bayou St. John, right? And they can even be equestrian trails. You've got equestrian facilities in Audubon Park, for example. So I think the approach we would take to parks and open space is very comprehensive in the fact that it looks at parks, recreation, open space, and all forms of trails, right? And what's the most, what's the most um, challenging aspect of um, our uh, existing landscape uh, 
and um, open areas and the relationship between them and the urban fabric um, as you see it uh, so far. Uh, I, I don't recall how long you've already been working on this. How long is that? We started, we started in November, December. So, you know, we've been working what, about uh, four or five months now, right? Maybe a little longer than that, but about five months. Um, and, you know, uh, we, I was writing a think piece today, you know, um, there's some things that make the New Orleans park system unique, you know, both great and challenging. One, one is climate, you know, uh, um, many, many parts of the world, many parts of, of uh, North America, you know, uh, winter comes and, and vegetation becomes dormant and people move inside and, and uh, you know, the, the, Not people here. Maintain, the people that maintain these parks get a bit of a rest and you don't have to mow grass for a while. Not so much in New Orleans, right? It's uh, the maintenance, uh, the need to maintain these spaces, the, the impact and the use on these spaces are 365 days a year. So climate is a big uh, component. Uh, what goes hand in hand with climate is you got a city that gets an average rainfall of 62 inches of rain a year. So drainage in parks is, uh, uh, in the entire city as we know is, is really a, a a special challenge. challenge, unique mm -hmm. to New Orleans, but that's something that park managers have to deal with uh, that many uh, park managers in other cities don't find as challenging, right? Uh, and uh, we, we have the occasional hurricane. And so the, the, the impact of uh, and devastation that, that uh, you know, big storms uh, wreak on the entire city, uh, as well as the parks, are, can be pretty devastating, right? And so, no, and, and, and just on the other factor, yeah. Uh, just to, to uh, a little footnote to what you just said about the destruction, the, the fascinating part of the destruction is um, how resilient uh, we all are in this city, and everybody talks about resilience everywhere. But sure. um, we have a we have a we're champions. We're, yeah. we're resilience champions because that destruction is can be devastating. I'll never forget coming back from Katrina, and everything is brown, and and the smell that you didn't have that smell from the green things was right. was missing. Yep. It was um uh, it was a real wake up call to uh, to me even as much as I'm I live in this city primarily because of how green it is but um it it's a uh, a challenge uh, it's it's difficult but it's also um something that uh, that new orleanians have learned to deal with just a just a couple days of freeze that yeah. takes down palms and bam and bamboo and banana plants and so on that we rely on uh during the course of the year is a right. challenge for example yeah, yeah. And so, you know, when you think about it, you think about those storms, you think about the amount of the tree, urban tree canopy that, that was lost in the city with Katrina, these parks and green spaces are essential to the tree canopy of the city. Um, we're looking now, you know, um, the idea of living with water and, and where can we store storm water. And so one of the things we are looking at is what role can parks play in storing storm water. So looking at multiple benefits of parks beyond, you know, traditional uh, relaxation and restoration and, and uh, recreation, but, but what kind of multiple benefits, be it mobility or, or stormwater, is a piece of that. You know, I think that... Uh, Interesting. You know, and, you know, the, the rain and climate, uh, not just the storms, but just the amount of rain and so forth, you know, uh, 
things rust, things wear out pretty quick in this environment. And so, you know, what happens in, and this is a, you were talking about some of the, the challenges we're uncovering is the challenging of, of financing a system like this to pay to operate it, to pay to maintain it, to pay to keep up with new demands for, for new forms of recreation is, um, you know, is an important uh, question, right? And, uh, you know, what, what tends to happen, I think, I, I, we're still trying to put a, our finger on this, what tends to happen in New Orleans is, is you have a major uh, devastation like Katrina, you get a big dose of, of uh, disaster relief funds. There's the ability that exists to um, have an infusion of capital that allows you to fix things or build some new things. But there's not yet, there may not yet be, doesn't appear to be a sustainable finance model that provides the money to maintain all of those things once you build them. So the cash flow, the year-to-year -year cash flow to maintain a consistent system, I think, is a challenge to be dealt with that we're looking at, right? That's so interesting uh, to really talk about. Um, I have been... Um very concerned about the extent to which we take advantage of the um, relief uh, money coming out of the federal government right now nationally yep. pandemic, and making sure that we see the benefits of it in our um, our, our more natural and our cultural environments. Yep. Um, and I don't feel like, uh, I, I, don't, I don't see the focus on that yet. I, you, all you hear about is bridges and tunnels and highways. Yep. Um, but even during the worst development phases of our country when they were building the interstates, there was attention given to the environment around those, that infrastructure. Sure. So, you know, Lady Bird Johnson and the kind of things that she did, uh, where's our Lady Bird Johnson right now in New Orleans? Sure. I'm kind of concerned about that. Yeah. So um, uh, let me let me um, stay on that for just a minute. Uh, yeah. How, you've probably given this some serious thought as you already, you introduced the, the notion of, okay, once you get the money, it's great, you build it, and then how do you maintain it? Um, what is your feeling about what we could be and should be doing to try to take uh, best advantage of the infrastructure funding for our landscape, our nature, our cultural um, environment? Yeah, well, one, one of the things we've been doing through this plan, working with Win, Wingate engineers in the city, is they've gone out and done a physical inventory of, of all of the improvements in Nord and Parks and Parkways parks, right? And, and with with the staff of Nord and Parks and Parkways, with public input, we're assessing the condition of those parks, right, or those facilities. So if you can imagine, if I if I know what a facility costs, I know how many of them I have, I know what condition they in, they're in, I can essentially create a depreciation schedule for my park system. And oh. that'll tell me how much I should be budgeting every year for deferred maintenance. And, uh, you know, it's easy, to, it's easy, it's popular to build new shiny things, it's not so popular to spend money on fixing stuff you already got, right? And so where I think New Orleans is poised to really be at the forefront of park planning in the country is, is what we call total asset management. The idea that you understand all the assets you have, the condition they're in, and you begin to budget for deferred maintenance. There are only a handful, less than five cities in the country that are doing this right now. So, so New Orleans, I think, is really poised to be at the front of this, if we can implement this kind of system. And then it'll make us aware of what the real cost of the park system would be. And in the cities where we've initiated this, 
that thinking has started to translate to public works, the streets and water lines and sewer lines and that kind of budgeting process you know, starts to reverberate throughout the city. So if we have all of that information and really understand our deferred maintenance needs, we understand our capital needs and by capital needs, I mean, what money do we need to build the kind of facilities to have the level of service we wanna to provide to our citizens? Then we have real data that you can take to, you know, federal grant application or state federal grant uh, grant application or uh, uh, application to a foundation that says, hey, we've done our homework. We know what this stuff costs. We know what we've really needed. And we're applying for funding for X, right? Oh, that's and, very, uh, because, yeah. you know, I think that's one of the, the real... Um, we have lots of dreams in New Orleans, you know, there's all kinds of yeah. songs about dreams about New Orleans and in New Orleans, but um, uh, there have been, there's a pattern of kind of coming up with a vision, getting a couple aspects of it uh, executed, and then things kind of fall back into something of a slump. And right. I've, I've seen, I've been here, um, I'm not originally from here, but I've been here since 1972. Right. And I've, I've been through that kind of roller coaster syndrome so sure. are, are you saying that you feel like our city has expressed a commitment uh to, to 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 quote as you said be on the forefront of dealing with this deferred maintenance and and developing the the budgets that we really need to be able to execute and keep things going well i, I think i think there's a lot of interest I, it's it's a new concept around the country so i you know i think there's still some work to be done and some education, but but uh, you know I, I think this is you know once in a generation kind of opportunity to to put this whole effort on a business footing, right? To your point about initiatives that don't endure, you know, oftentimes they don't last because nobody's thought through the management that's needed to execute long term, and they haven't thought through the finances that are needed to execute long term. So. I think that's an important part of what what we're trying to do here, you know, you know, so I, what, yeah. what um, um, I talked, I asked you about challenges, um, but what what are a couple of, you know, your uh, personal favorites, so to speak, in some of the assets that we have that give you the hope that we can really uh, do something special here citywide? Well, I think. Um, you know, New Orleans is New Orleans is where New Orleans is because of the river, right? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, there's there's their plans that uh, have been have been cooking for a while. You know, to to take the idea of a riverfront park from the French Quarter, you know, all the way to the Industrial Canal. You know, uh, that uh, is and past it and past it, yeah, and past it. That stretch of I I had a house for a while on. Uh, a, a fate, a, at the intersection of the industrial canal and the river right uh, only because well two reasons one i, I we, my husband got an art commission which is rare yeah. and uh we just blew it on a little house facing this kind yeah. of um you know uh, lawn reaching up to the river and uh, i i'm just in love with that section i used to go there after partying all night i would go sit up on that levee and watch um, the boats in the river and and just enjoy that incredible. So I hope that you have um, have that little stretch in the ninth ward in, in your sights. Oh as yeah, well. oh yeah. No, I I say the industrial canal and beyond. I mean, I I think there's the potential to 
to really, uh, you know, it's interesting. New Orleans is in many ways a city in a bowl, right? Because of the levees and and oh, yeah. the and the walls and so forth. You, you surrounded by water, but you can't always see it. So, yeah. you know, I think the idea of of, uh, of enhancing the riverfront and connecting to the rural roads, I, I like to call them. Talking to the levee districts, the rural roads that that run top across the tops of the levee. You know, creating a connected system of green space and and ways of seeing and accessing the river throughout the city would be spectacular. I, I think there are, you know, you have, uh, um, you know, wonderful parks in Audubon Park and City Park that are really national class, if not world class parks. You know, Joe Brown in New Orleans East is a wonderful park. Uh, that that's much loved. Uh, I think there are some big parcels of parkland and open space in Algiers that that really uh, really could use some love and and deserve some love. Uh, I think uh, you know I think I could see the idea of of focusing you know on the idea of at least in a first phase of making sure there's one truly large multi-purpose park in every district you know, every council district or every district of the city where someone can go there and find all the things they look for from a recreational point of view. And and I think that's particularly important in some of the underserved uh, parts of the city. Uh, you know, Algiers really pops to mind, you know, the Brechtel, Brechtel, uh, Brechtel Golf Course, Brechtel Park uh, is one such act, uh, opportunity. So I think that, that uh, there's some great park potential in some of the existing parklands if there's a focus on those. And then I think going back to the idea of parks as a city shaping tool, you've got 72 neighborhoods in the city, right? And one of the things that's both an opportunity and challenge, you know, New Orleans has over 200 parks as they're called, not all of them are, are many more than half of those parks are under two acres so many of them are, are small pieces of land that can't accommodate a lot of facilities they may still be important open spaces but they can't accommodate a lot of facilities and programs right mm -hmm. and so you know you could move from the idea of these larger district parks to the idea of at least a nice park and every neighborhood of the city that really becomes a social gathering place that contributes to placemaking, that contributes to a sense of community in each of those 72 neighborhoods. Um, I think that's that's an important possibility as well. So My husband was actually the planner who ran the project that um, identified those 72 yeah, neighborhoods. Yeah, interesting. HDLC, Bob, yeah. Bob Tannen, if you haven't, uh, you, you need uh, to no. uh, Actually, I had somebody tell me, tell me I needed to meet Bob. So next time yeah. I'm done, I'll have to do that. You do. Uh, but I, I also feel very strongly uh, right now that um, those little parks, and uh, exactly what you just said, the idea of enhancing and drawing people to all the different neighborhoods of the city so that we um, really help people understand the, the richness of, of all of our neighborhoods and all of the diverse uh, communities and cultures in the city, but also to uh, take some of the pressure off the um, French Quarter and the CBD, which is really suffering from the pressure. Um, but finally, um, realizing exactly what you said, this kind of, um, you know, the identification of those 72 neighborhoods is in name only in the, in, 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 
books in city planning commission and yeah. a lot of people don't really uh understand and appreciate the, the variety of them so yeah, yeah I, I i'm just i'm very excited about what you just said yeah I, and new orleans is a city neighborhoods right and spectacular neighborhoods so uh and that's what people I think identify with you know we we've asked we actually actually asked the public in the last public meeting that's they that's the that's sort of the unit of measure that they relate to as their neighborhood so well um, and uh and i'm you know i this is true everywhere really i'm, I'm originally yeah. from the bronx and i identify with the the sure. north, of course south bronx area that yeah. i came from everybody identifies with their own neighborhood but here people will ask you not just what do you do and where do you live but um you know uh, where'd you come up yeah. Yep, Where yep. did you come up? And what school did you go to? Oh yeah. There are people who literally barely move off their blocks because yep. they're so tied to their neighborhoods. Yep. And there are underlying issues with that that are not uh, that pretty uh, in terms of people's opportunities. So sure. that's another story. So and and actually, that's a, I'd like to just ask you that. How do you see um, the development of these parks tying in with the economic development of our city? Well, I think uh, I think. Uh, Two ways. One is, um, and, and you may have seen in the public meeting where we are um, trying to view the prioritization and needs through the lens of equity, right? And so, and by equity, we don't mean, you know, identical facilities everywhere in the city, but, but it means do residents have, you know, fair access to open space? Do they have fair access to recreation and, and Park facilities, right? And so we've mapped that and we've looked at it and studied it, right? And do they have uh, equitable access to parks of similar qual quality? They might live close to a green space, but doesn't mean it's a true park. It may not have been improved, may not be well-maintained and so forth. So I, I think if you start with equity, then that starts with improving the parks in these locations, in these neighborhoods. And it starts with uh, uplifting people's well-being, uh, uplifting hopefully their public health because you know there's the opportunity for exercise and and recreation, right? Uplifting of property values, which you know can be a, a slippery slope because you don't want to encourage gentrification. But you know, I we've we've monitored. We had we had the pleasure of working on the master plan for Lafitte Greenway, and and at least from the data we've looked at thus far you know, I, that park has been quite successful for the city, but not, and it has led to some economic development along the corridor, but not led to gentrification of the adjacent neighborhoods, right? And so that's something to monitor, right? Uh, is, 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 are these new park lands benefiting the people that surround them now? And, and are they helping lifting them and, uh, you know, uplifting their, their quality of life? And, you know, and I think, uh, Quality parks and recreation are tied to to safety in the city, right? You know, uh, we we've heard a lot either anecdotally or in the public meetings we've had thus far. You know, the fact that there's if there's healthy rec recreation and diversions for the youth of the city, that's going to pay benefits in many ways, right? right. And so I think you know, uh, safety, crime are um, challenges for economic development of the city. And so, you know, if we can can uh, develop, you know, healthier pursuits, um, that's going to have a knock-on effect on the economic health of the city. Right. Now, I assume also as part of what you're talking about, um, you're looking at the health 
of the environment. And um, one of the things that uh, I'm, I'm extremely conscious of lately, and, and uh, unfortunately, it's probably jeopardized with my safety driving around, but I've been looking up at the trees, the canopies of the trees. And unfortunately, after Katrina, there was a lot of hacking away at the trees done to clear power lines while we were all away from home. And um, some of it was destructive. And, and, and you really can see also where there is heavy traffic or where there's a stoplight or where there's some kind of a school where mm -hmm. uh, cars are parked around the school like the, right where i live i'm i'm right next to bricolage uh, which used to be john mack high school and um, right. the trees in front of that school are dying just literally right. dying and so yeah. I'm, I'm on the next block and i'm saying okay i can i can already see how the traffic that lines up as kids are coming out of school is affecting our trees and right. in addition to what happened during uh, katrina of course so sure. how how, uh, how much is that part of what you're addressing also well i think i think that there are uh we've, we've not dug into that particular issue, you're probably aware there's a new urban forestry plan that's just been put out um, the, that the cities uh, uh, embrace. So, um, but I, I think that there uh, will be, should be a set of metrics around the plan, you know, how how much can parks and open space contribute to the urban tree canopy of the, of the, of the city? How much can it contribute to uh, stormwater management in the city? How much can it contribute to bird populations and wildlife. You know, we we actually, we, when we were working on Lafitte Greenway, we actually did a bird count of, of the Lafitte Greenway and utilized native plant materials. New Orleans was quite fortunate and it has one of the one of the largest diversity of bird populations of any city in, in the US. And so, uh, you know, they're measurable. I did not know that. I mean, I still yeah, yeah. surmised that just because of all the, my, my, particular property is is a little bit unusually large so we're about a third of an acre and um we we a lot of those uh, birds visit us in our uh a kind of jungle of a garden where the chinese fan palms have taken over yeah. and it's very attractive to um bird life so I, I i've seen that but i did not know that we had one of the largest populations yeah uh, i think uh you know audubon, audubon does uh uh you know, a Christmas bird count uh, every year, and yeah. most most Audubon chapters do. Um, I, uh, you know, New Orleans. Uh, I'm just looking the night uh, nineteen at uh, twenty 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 one hundred fifty seven species. So wow. um, that's a pretty healthy number for a continental yeah. U.S. Right. Wow. And so uh, 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 when you get a chance after our, our conversation, if you might send me something uh, that I can look at on that. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I have to. We're, we're, unfortunately, I, I don't have a ton more time, but yeah. I, I would love to have. Um, I, I know that you're very, very sensitive. This I picked up at the at the meeting. And one of the reasons I really wanted to pursue conversations with you is that uh, clearly you're very responsive to the community. So I know you're going to wait to get a lot more input. But. I would love to have a, a kind of um, picture of, of how you view uh, what what our green city could look like at the conclusion of your process. Sure, sure. Well, I think uh, I think that we there's a lot of work to be done. There's going to be a need to prioritize improvements in parks. There's there's not you know. Uh, 
there's not a big pot of money that says, hey, let's go fix up every park right now. So we need the public's input on which of those parks they would prioritize. What's the strategy about where we focus priorities, right? And so I would hope in the near term, you would see uh, upgraded parks, uh, you know, a, 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 let's say a third roughly of, of all of the parks that are upgraded uh, to, to a higher level of condition that you would see those uh, particularly focused in communities of need and underserved populations. New Orleans is fortunate, you know, uh, there's a movement to, many cities have adopted the idea of green space or a park within a 10 minute walk of every residence in the city. New Orleans is fortunate in that uh, every resident, about 85% of all residents are in walking distance of some green space. Wow. The question is, is, are they quality green spaces? Are they green spaces that are in good condition? And so I think that, that there's going to be a need to prioritize. There's going to be a need to focus on those parks that can do, have the greatest benefits for the most number of people. There's going to need, be a need to focus on underserved populations and hopefully filling out the gaps in that 10 minute walk. So, so there's better access. There's gonna be a need to coordinate with public works and other city departments so that their sidewalks and bike lanes and transit and ways for people to get to parks because not everybody has a car or if they have a car, not everybody has the funds to use it all the time, right? Yeah. And so being able to get to parks uh, is a question of coordination. There needs to be a conscious strategy about how those parks will uh, help with stormwater, right? Uh, and, and there will be some new shiny opportunities, some new opportunities, like we talked about the riverfront, hopefully that will come online. Sounds and great. so I think if you take all of those park improvements and you take the, the rather unique network of neutral grounds and other open spaces in the city, you know, uh, New Orleans is very much a garden city uh, in the sense that, that all these neighborhoods are connected together by some form of green space, right? And so I, hopefully that green network, just as a placemaking tool, will show up stronger than it does today. Okay, uh, seconds left, but yeah. um, time frame. Time frame. we have another round of, we have a, a survey that's live now that people can uh, participate in. I'll send you a link to that. Uh, we have uh, another round of public meetings the week of May 8th. I'll send you a link to those. And our intent is to come forth with some of these recommendations in May for the public's review and comment. Uh, and the idea of getting to a draft plan for, for public review in August. Okay, just in time for hurricane season. Perfect. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. I'm thrilled with what you're doing. I can't tell you, it's very personal for me. Um, I chose Esplanade to live on because it is in between City Park and the river and um, the little place we had in the Ninth Ward, we ultimately um, moved that to other people who yeah. Uh, had more time to manage it, but I loved it. And um, we all, we were, I think everybody in the city is really crazy about our city. We just are in a rough uh, cycle and uh, it's, it's, I hope everybody remembers that this is happening everywhere and that uh, we have so much to work with. 
Thank you so much for being here. My uh, pleasure. Keep us informed so that we can continue. Uh, I welcome you to come on um, more than once. I mean, this is not a one-off. I'd be happy to. I'd be happy All right. to. Thank All right. You. Have a good evening. And I'll um, I'll organize uh, your visit with Mr. Tanner. Perfect. All right. Bye. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Lambright is the executive director for City Park. And um, I've lived through, let's see, two, I think, Bo Bassage and Bob Becker. And Bob. And um, they were both great in their own ways and, and, and made a lot of things happen. But I, I'm sure that you feel uh, well um, set to do some new and exciting things. And I understand that we are looking at a new strategic plan for the park. Is that right? Yeah, we're looking at a new master plan. So uh, the strategic plan would kind of be a business plan. And this is actually will be an acre by acre. Um, wow. Look at City Park, right? Um, uh, certainly trying to make sure that it is more resilient, right? That it can handle disasters. But um, it's been a really long time, I think, since all you know 1,300 acres have been looked at comprehensively. And New Orleans has changed, right? The region has changed. So um, we're going to take, you know, kind of a long time, about 18 months to uh, listen and learn from the land. You know, there's a, a, a lot of research to be done, uh, but a lot of talking to the people. You know, uh, big parks are for people and um, we want to get it right. Uh, and that's kind of where the, where the sausage making happens. You know, when you're, um, we really do have about a million visitors a year and then we serve the greater New Orleans, you know, region. Um, interestingly, almost a majority of our visitors are actually from Jeff Parrish. Uh, so this what? is, yeah, isn't that something? Um, wow. That yeah. Is uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, how can we make sure that we're serving people of all backgrounds, people of all abilities, um, people of all ages. Uh, yeah, and you know, when you kind of, uh, you look at your finances, you listen to the people, you listen to the landscape and it just keeps kind of coming together and coming together um, until we have a plan that I hope really makes the, um, the region proud and maybe is catalytic you know, for the community at large? Well, I have to tell you that, you know, I, I live not very far from the park, so I go there a lot and I've always loved it. In fact, one of the reasons I chose the residence that I have, which is just on the other side of Broad on Esplanade Avenue was because of the park. Yeah. Because um, I, I wanted that proximity. And I, I'm from New York originally, and I used to, you know, have my father drive me or get on the subway and go down to Central Park to my favorite place in the city there. And, and so parks, as you said, they're very important and they are for people. But I have to say in the past, well, it's been growing. So I don't wanna, I don't have an arbitrary date, but it just seems like there is a huge number of very diverse people using city park. If I go out on a Sunday afternoon with my dog to just hang out a little bit by the big lake, 
I am going to see, I mean, just enormous numbers of people of, of all colors. It looks like our city, right? Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah. It's, it's really thrilling to see them using all the, um, you know, the, the bikes that I find a little too hard to push down. <laughs> the blue bikes, uh, right? And out on the swans and see the swans yeah. all in motion on the lake and then people skating by and, and yeah. So on and so on. It's it's just it's a beautiful sight. I agree. I think it acts a lot like New Orleans living room, and we know that people feel comfortable here. Um, I think I, I'm certainly very interested in hearing from folks that don't use City Park. You know why? Is it transportation? Uh, because the RTA, you know, only runs up to Tad Gormley. So if you want to say um, visit. Couturier Forest, right? Um, this urban forest in the middle of the city. Well, you have to have a private car to do it. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I'm really interested to find out what barriers there are uh, to folks being able to take advantage of the park because I, um, you know, I kind of believe in like prescription for parks. I think parks can cure a lot of things, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the science is there, it's been done that spending time in nature um, and with other people, with friends, with family are not only curative and important uh, uh, in real time, but for the length of your life, right. it has an impact to spend time in, in, in the park. So, um, and you know, I, I think some people in the city who, who are engaged in planning matters um, know, uh, and, and, and those people who respect the history and look into it, but a lot of people don't know that this is an Olmstead family designed park. Yeah, you know, I think that's actually kind of, um, you know, this is not truly an Olmstead Park. It is not, but I, I will tell you this, Gene, um, if you get a room of park people together across the United States, they will tell you some way that they are in Olmstead Park. <laughs> it's oh, like wow, six degrees of separation, okay. right? Um, uh, Audubon probably gets to have a little more lineage uh, in terms of Audubon than, mm. uh, than City Park has, but City Park is one of the great city beautiful movement parks. Um, I mean, all these uh, in the WPA era um, from the Rose Garden, right? To these kind of epic Beaux-Arts uh, WPA improvements to the park. They have so much integrity. They haven't really you know, gone away over time. They've been valued, they've been loved. And um, we really should be on the map. Uh, uh, for that because it, it just has so much integrity it is um it's a very important park uh, beyond it being you know um a place of the people uh it has this incredible story you know the park was desegregated by the supreme court right um and instead of uh you know letting african-americans use the swimming pool they concreted it in Right. I mean, there's um, kind of this story of America and America South really plays out in an interesting way here. I'm really going to be curious when we talk to people, uh, like what is what is the official history of City Park? What are the stories that are important to be told? Uh, I'm interested with the how, how the community responds. What is what is it for them? Uh, we know that it is certainly where memories are held. I know that kind of sounds a little romantic and poetic, but um, I, I don't know that I've ever spoken to a group of people and 
where I, I can say, all right, who here has been to a wedding at City Park, right? And every single person raises their hands. Um, but so many people will say, oh, when I had cancer, I walked Big Lake every day, right? Or when I was losing my husband or, you know, there's, um, there's a poignancy here that, that I think sometimes you don't see in other parks. It's, I don't know, it's someplace very sacred. What's your, in, when you first saw the park, um, presumably when you came here to interview for the job, what was your, your first take? What was just your, your really a, a sort of aesthetic, emotional yeah. uh, first, first reaction? That is a great question. So I actually had a house in New Orleans for about six years before I took the job. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, my, my family's from New Iberia. I had always oh. heard it. New Orleans was always this romantic kind of destination. And I was bound to determine probably by the time I was in fifth grade that I was gonna live here someday. Um, so City Park was my park here, just as a, just as a resident, right? And um, uh, it was especially interesting because I was in the process of overhauling a really similar size and structure park in Houston, Texas called Memorial Park, which is a heavily forested park um, also bisected by a 610, also with a railway going through it, um, uh, also with a, you know, all these similarities and, um, uh, and also kind of the underdog of the parks, you know, like wasn't as funded, kind of like Audubon, you know, here had um, really been the focus of, of funding. And um, so I suppose I, your funding is neither here nor there. I, I was That's just, I you know, I, yeah, there was some type of, um, I, I'm drawn to it as my park. I, I, it's so hard um, to, uh, the tough times when I have to quit being a park lover and a visitor and I have to really just put on only the CEO hat because they're almost inextricable. Uh, but I will say the things, there are a few moments that I fell in love with the park. Like just personally, um, and one was in the botanical garden, and that's because I just personally am really, really drawn to city beautiful and WPA era uh, structures and stories and improvements. Um, but the others in the old oak section, you know, running along uh, City Park Avenue, uh, is the largest collection of live oaks in the world, uh, and uh, and I and I'm fairly convinced it just pulses with um, life and breadth and um, uh, it, it's uh, it is truly it's my chapel I don't know how to uh, uh, say it any other way well uh, you've told me so many um, uh, things that uh, I, I uh, resonate for me I grew up at the foot of the Grand Concourse in the Bronx and that part of uh, New York was de uh, developed largely during the WPA era so I loved all of that and I know what you're talking about and when I first saw City Park again and I picked up the WPA element uh, immediately and it's so uh, it's so strong you know it is it is a nature preserve with a thriving ecology, yeah. You know, I think uh, there are alligators here and the truth is from time to time, a dog uh, who maybe shouldn't be bouncing in, in Louisiana waters, right? Um, and we, I mean, those are just heartbreaking moments. Uh, 
but it is a thriving ecology. It is part of an ecosystem, right? In the very center of our city and it's big enough um, that is a meaningful ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, I can really be, um, you know, my background can, can lead me to be probably on the really, you know, left side of things in that way. And that um, I get excited by coyote. You know, or um, I mean, like that. These are um, these are signs, actually, that things are working. Now, um, you still have, you're managing public space, right? And you have to, you know, make all those management decisions that go with it. Um, but as we move forward with the master plan, especially kind of converting back to a native landscape and really focusing on biodiversity. Uh, and improving the health here. It's, uh, we'll be doing a lot of baseline studies, like what's in the park right now from microbes, you know, all the way over uh, to mammals. And then we'll keep tracking it. Like, are, is what we're doing working? Are we really improving biodiversity uh, in New Orleans and air quality? And um, are we creating functioning habitat? It's gonna be a really neat, you know, moment ahead of us. And then there's the whole cultural side. Mm -hmm. of the opportunities in the park. So the nature is, uh, is, is a huge part of it. And I'll, I'll be honest, I tell visitors to the city when they come, I said, if you want a taste of the landscape of Louisiana and you don't have a chance to get out into the swamps, just go to City Park because you will see exactly um, the landscape that, that uh, we're surrounded by. And, and I think that to the extent that uh, it, it's gonna be possible to make it more and more available to people that has to be part of your plan right i completely agree i think you know um and it was kind of part and parcel of park management at a certain moment in time that if something was being vandalized or used incorrectly a fence went up and um there's certainly been a lot of evolution in how you can change behaviors not through shutting it off but instead through really opening something up right and and activating it and um, you know, to think that we have this fountain back there that is so beautiful, so beautiful that Alan Toussaint used to go back there and write songs and he would come to the building that I work and ask for the key so he could go back there and write songs. And uh, you, know, you, you have told me so many. I know Alan Toussaint. I worked with him. Right? I didn't know that he did that. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and, and throughout our conversation, and we've touched on a lot of things, I'm hearing so many things I didn't know that I just, I'm just loving hearing. I'm not surprised um, because again, uh, people involved with music, people involved with the arts in general, um, I think they are the ones who really, again, um, really see the beauty and 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 uh, enjoy it. And you have a lot of plain air artists, I think, who work there. Yeah, we sure do. Uh -huh. We're gonna, about to do a show of, of plain air artists. Oh, cool. At Kervas 22, which is a, another very interesting and beautiful site in St. Wow. Bernard. I'll send you something on that. But um, what, if, if there's, if there's, one thing that you can sort of anticipate um, less uh, philosophically and more literally, what's the one thing you would love to see in the park that you've experienced that you think uh, belongs there that might turn out to be? In other words, if you were just an ordinary citizen and you were in a, meet, a community meeting saying what you'd like to see in City Park, what would that what be? a great question. So for all your listeners, like this is just Kara Lambright, uh, citizen. <laughs> you know, I'd really like to see one of the streets um, turned into a grand pedestrian mall, take the, take the roads off. I think of these, uh, these grand cities around the world, Barcelona, Copenhagen, um, and they have these 
broad, broad streets where you can teach your child to roller skate while you're pushing the stroller, while someone is uh, painting perhaps, right? And, uh, and I think it lets people intersect with one another in a way that, uh, that is limited in New Orleans. Kind of our, our grand meeting spaces tend to be in highly touristed areas. Uh, and uh, I can think of uh, some folks that have accessibility issues, right? That going into a lawn in a meadow is not the same thing as, as taking a walk, right? Or like, you know, the grand, uh, uh, the paseos that you would have in the evening in Spain or something where you're walking and seeing. And uh, I think a lot about Roosevelt Mall. So it still has this, you know, beautiful green esplanade in the middle of it. But what if on Sundays, it actually just had a market and these big open streets and people of all ages and abilities from wheelchairs to strollers um, could have it to themselves for a moment. Uh, uh, that's that is one of Kara's personal things, right? That I that I think a lot about, um, and I think a lot about that. I wish all of our sidewalks were just broader. I think there's such a difference between a three foot sidewalk and a six foot sidewalk. Uh, six foot sidewalk, I walk past the person walking past me, and I say hi, right? I don't step off onto the ground and do a thing, and um, that there's a certain graciousness. Um, uh, I think it's beautiful, but I also think it makes you use something differently and makes you intersect with people differently. Um, the rest of the things I kind of already know are going to happen. You know, I have, uh, I, yeah, I can kind of crystal ball a few things, right? That we, um, instead of having ball fields that are just randomly everywhere, maybe we kind of pull them together and then we can create a Louisiana landscape where they used to be. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I can definitely see where there are some moments ahead that just naturally make sense from a planning standpoint that I'm really excited about. But I also think we have, you know, I've been in planning my whole career and there's always a different, there's always an idea you, that has never crossed your mind, right? And that comes from the people who, who uh, the, the people of the city who, who just have had experience there and um, have the ideas just like yours that you just said. Yeah, so I think there's some, there's some surprise magical moments ahead, yeah. So um, how can people in the city who are interested and love in and love the park uh, become engaged in the planning process? Oh yeah, thanks, uh, super. Um, so one of the things that we did this last year, you know, City Park was run and I used to be a state employee. Uh, and there were a lot of hurdles. You couldn't fundraise. Um, we couldn't mobilize philanthropy. We had to do low bid for everything. And I would say the park deserves better than that. Uh, so we actually flipped the main structure to a nonprofit. And that means we can do so many things differently than we used to. But if you just sign up via uh, our website, it's neworleanscitypark.com. There is a place to sign up for the newsletter. And we are, we're going to flood uh, New Orleans with information on public meetings, focus groups, uh, surveys. We're going to make sure that we provide so many different platforms because maybe you and I might go to a public meeting and speak up, right? Because maybe that's maybe that's how you and I are. But I think there's a lot of folks who are like, I, I can't go to a meeting or I'm shy. That's not how I communicate because we want to get it right. 
Thank you so much for your I've time. I've enjoyed my time with you. Yeah. I'm just thrilled to hear what I'm hearing, and I'm definitely going to want to check back in with you as things go forward. Super. Um, I look forward to talking to you again. And enjoy, enjoy the park. All right. Same. Bye-bye. <laughs> right. Bye-bye. You know, as I've been saying in our recent shows, there's just so much going on in New Orleans in the spring. It's year round, but in particular, it's so glorious here. So um, get out and enjoy the events we talked about today and uh, other things going on. Thank you, Jean Nathan, Crosstown Conversations. Boys and girls, we got to make